over the preaching of the word. Lord, we love your word and we thank you for being able to be here, being able to be in your presence for a wonderful time of worship. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. Lord, you alone are worthy of all the glory. We ask you tonight that the heavens be open, that your glory will be here. Holy Spirit, that you would move powerfully upon every single person that's going to be hearing this. Father, let the Holy Spirit move upon all of us. People may be hearing this live and others may be listening to a recording. They may be in a car. They may be at home. Wherever they are, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, Father, let your Spirit of God move upon all of us and give us good, fertile soil of hearts and minds. That things that maybe we wouldn't have understood before, but the Holy Spirit moves upon us. Things maybe we wouldn't have seen. Let your Holy Spirit touch our eyes and ears, and we have eyes and ears of the Spirit. And Lord, that you would speak through me everything that needs to be spoken. Let it be as the parable to see and so, or that it's good, fertile soil, uh, or whether it's uh, living seeds sown into good, fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, taking root, growing, and producing a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, let your word go out as a mighty hammer that breaks down strongholds. Lord, let it go out as a sword that's going to penetrate. Let there be the washing of the water of the word. And let there be a bright light of truth shining, dispelling all the darkness and lies of the enemy. And Lord, let this be a powerful time in the word. That, let your Holy Spirit, like a wind, blow this out among the nations where it needs to go. That it will accomplish what it's supposed to do. And we know that the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed so, Lord, we take authority and we bind up the enemy. And we're all in agreement. Anything that would try to hinder this from getting where it's supposed to be and doing what it's supposed to do, we take authority and we bind you in the name of Jesus. We command you to back off right now. Lord, let your angels just clear all that out, that everything will just flow. It will accomplish what it's sent for it to do. We stand on the promise that the Bible says the word of the Lord will not return void but it will go forth and accomplish what it's supposed to do, what it's sent for it to do. So, Lord, we thank you for this getting where it needs to get and accomplishing what it's supposed to, that everything will be said that needs to and that we'll be able to understand and really grasp the word of God tonight and remember it and have retention. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I, I don't have notes, but just follow along if you want to in your Bible on Hebrews 10. I'm going to start with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. But I'm dealing with, this is part one of the deep consecration, because next week we're going to have a time of really deeply consecrating our lives unto God. And I believe, River of Life, that as we have a season twice a year where we really humble ourselves and we pray and we fast and we do some soul searching, we agree together about specific needs as we do that i believe that this really pleases the lord so there's humility there's prayer and fasting there's giving i know we have uh, passover coming up like a special offering but we're also deeply consecrating our lives into god and i believe that that is extremely powerful and so with that said i'm going to talk i'm going to get to this eventually about soaking and receiving how do how do we receive from the lord because I've seen my wife and I minister a lot of places, and people don't know how to receive from the Lord. And so as we get into this tonight, I'm going to talk about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Uh, it says, Therefore, brethren, since we have this confidence to enter the Holy of Holies, 
Have you really thought about for a moment that there was a time that only one person once a year could go into the Holy of Holies, you know? And now we, all of us, collectively are able to go into the presence of God. I don't think the body of Christ really understands how awesome that really is and how incredible we can, that we can go into the deep glory of God. But anyway... We have the confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. So that's what gives us access. By a new and living way which he inaugurated through the veil that is his flesh. Now this is the cross. It's the new covenant. A new and living way being that it's no longer through the blood of animals, but rather through the blood of Jesus. And it calls Jesus our great high priest over the house of God. So he said, let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Now the sprinkling had to do with the blood. Anybody that knows the Bible remembers the sprinkling of the blood. So the blood sprinkled to our hearts, it says, that we are cleansed from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So there is a power in the washing of immersion that takes place i'm not going to get too much into tonight but i will next week because we're going to have a time of doing that so look at this we have confidence to enter the holy of holies by the blood that we can draw near and it says being sprinkled by the blood and being washed with the pure water so there is a coming into the holy of holies and I love that. That means so much to me. And I know it does to River of Life because you're a people that love the presence of God. But this is what it's talking about, that we can go into the glory. And let me just tell you that one, one of the aspects of this, a lot of times people think of, okay, well, we come to church and here in River of Life, you know, we'll take communion. So there's like the sprinkling of the blood, if you will. And, and then we enter into worship and we start going in. And that's true. But really, I want you to think of it this way too. There is something about that we get past our own flesh. See, there's something about as we enter into worship and prayer that we get past our own flesh that doesn't want to press in, the flesh. And then your, your mind, your soul area, your mind and emotions really begin to get connected with the Lord. And you even get by, beyond that and you get into the spirit and your worship becomes out of your spirit your prayer out of the spirit and that's also an aspect of going into the holy of holies that we're getting past our own flesh and past our own intellect and human emotions even deeper than that and we're getting in the spirit okay so here's another scripture second timothy 2:20 says now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware. Some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, now don't you think about that statement there, cleansing yourself. Because this is what the deep consecration time is about. As we pray and fast, all of us are spending time examining ourselves and make sure, have I forgiven everybody? Have I confessed and repented of anything in my life? Is there anything that's not right with God? And we're dealing with that. We're getting cleansed to go deeper. And a lot of times during these fasts, things begin to come up. You know, it's like gold refining the fire. Things begin to come up that need to be dealt with. And then 
we come together and it's a time just like the pattern from the old to the new it's the same pattern as we take the lord's supper there's there's a work of the blood of jesus and my wife and i anoint people to go and pray over you in a special way and then we have water immersion available for those that want to come out most people do but it is a way of really deeply consecrating your life all right and then it says if you will do this if you'll cleanse yourself from these things it says you will be a vessel of honor sanctified and useful to the master prepare for every good work and also believe that these times now it's connected we do this twice a year because i feel that we need to do this before the passover season because at that time the emphasis is on the blood of jesus the emphasis as we come together and do an illustrated sermon about the lord's last supper which was a passover meal as we go through that we're reverencing the body and blood of the lord we're bringing our lives under the blood um, many i encourage people to do this you're going through and making sure your home is consecrated and under the blood and as we do that here's what i believe is happening i believe there is like a purging of the gates overhead and we talk about open heaven that was a huge theme during the 90s revivals especially at brownsville in open heaven in john 151 he said jesus said verily or very truly i tell you you will see heaven open he was talking to nathaniel you'll see an open heaven angels of god ascending and descending on the son of man so there's something about an open heaven where the angels are ascending and descending and there's like a glory there that is extremely powerful it's a personal thing it can be over your life as an individual that even as you're driving down the road and you're praying and worshiping there can be an open heaven over you where the glory of God is in your car how many have experienced that I have and then your home your home as it becomes under the blood and people go through and consecrate their homes they clean out anything that needs to go they pray over their homes they bring in under the blood as you do that and it becomes a place of worship and prayer the heavens open the angels ascending and descending the glory can be in your home it can be a powerful place where you meet with God also a church there needs to be an open heaven over every church where it's not difficult to worship and pray there's places that i've gone that it is very oppressed it's difficult to pray it's difficult to worship there's many times satan will send there's a whole class of demonic spirits that have to do with religion then that's their assignment is to traffic through religion and their assignment is to cause praise and worship to be dead people don't praise and worship people can't really learn and grow out of the word of god there's no move of the holy spirit there's no gifts in operation that's their assignment is anything book of acts biblical christianity with power get rid of it and it just becomes a dead dry religious thing but we need an open heaven angels of god ascending and descending the glory of the lord and that's conducive for a harvest of souls it's conducive for healings and miracles and for people to be delivered so here's some things i want to say before i get into where i'm going i'm going somewhere with this so just bear with me so my life was tremendously touched during the 90s revivals i remember as i went 96 i believe it was the first time i went to brownsville god powerfully touched me now i'd grown up around pentecost and and i had experienced 
things that were very powerful. But during the 90s revivals, this was a whole level I had never experienced. It was a level of the power of God, a level of the fire of God, and a level of the weighty glory of God that I had never experienced before. And I remember my first experience at Brownsville was seeing all these people running down, I mean, by the hundreds, and this is not an exaggeration, running down to get saved. And I remember his brother Steve was, was calling, making an altar call, and the power of God was so strong in that place, it felt like electricity in the air around you. You could feel like an electricity. And I remember, I couldn't help it. I just began to weep. The power of God was so strong there. And I remember going down, even though I'd given my life to the Lord previously, I remember going down, and I wanted prayer. And a friend of mine who was a pastor told me before I went, I was probably 20 years old at the time. But anyway, he told me, he said, make sure you get prayer. Get hands laid on you. There's an impartation. Make sure you get prayer. It's his last words to me. So I was going to go down and get prayer. And I remember some random altar worker prayed for me. And I was hit by the power of God, thrown back, laying on my back. I don't know how long I was out, but I remember that this fire of the Holy Spirit came into my life. And you say, well, what's, what was the result of that? Well, I'll tell you. When I came back, I was more hungry for the Lord than I'd ever been in my life. I began to want to spend long periods of time in prayer I began to have a burden for souls and witnessing like I've never had before. And I began to be so hungry to learn the word. I would spend hours at a time. Um, I was helping out at this church with the young people and all that where I was going. But anyway, I would spend hours in the sanctuary reading the Bible, praying, and just hungry for, for the Lord. And so that fire came into my life, and it's never died. I love what Leonard Ravenhill says. He says, if the fire dies in your life, it wasn't God that died. <laughs> God doesn't die. And so that fire has never died down. And I had the great honor of spending a little bit of time with Brother Steve Hill back in 2003. And I was asking him a lot of advice about a lot of things and just really trying to take advantage of my time with him. And he prayed over me. It was very powerful at that time too. But anyway, I told him about that. I said, you know, that fire never died down. And he said, oh, he said, it won't. You know, when revival comes into your life, you'll never be the same. But here's the thing. Since the 90s revivals, I must have, God must have done something deep in me because I know a lot of people got swept into the powerful praise and worship and, and the, the powerful preaching. There was anointing. The altar ministries were incredible. You would get prayer People would have to be carried out of church. People were drunk in the spirit. It was awesome. And this was going on night after night, and people kind of got caught up uh, with what was going on. But here's the thing. Once revival wanes, you begin to see pretty quickly who really got touched deeply as opposed to those that were just kind of caught up in the excitement of it. Is that making sense? Is there is a difference? And... Now, 20, 25 years later, I've watched with sadness as I've seen people that at one time were powerfully touched the Lord. And my wife and I have seen people, I mean, powerfully touched by God. People that had to be carried out of here, you know, shaking out the power. But we've seen people get out of church. How does such a thing happen? We've seen people leave 
spirit-filled churches where God moves really powerfully to go to places that God's not moving. But, yeah, you know, they've got exciting programs and things. But once you've been touched really deeply in revival, you can't have anything else. <laughs> you want the presence of God. Even if you got to drive a distance, and even if it's a smaller group, you want the presence of God. But I've seen people leave spiritual churches for hype and excitement. I've also seen, and I've been very grieved about this, people losing their godly convictions. There's things that some people, not everybody, because there's wonderful people still on fire and living the life, but there's, there's people that 20 years ago would have never done the things that they're doing now. What happened? You see, once you start getting lukewarm and you start losing that fire, Satan tries to come in with some, some type of like a delusion, like a deception. And pretty soon, people start making compromises here, making compromises there. Next thing you know, it gets worse. They get deeper. And then after a period of time, they're, they're allowing things in their life that there was a time that they never would have allowed them. And they've lost their godly convictions. And to my shock, even though the Bible says it would happen, it says specifically, and I quote, that in the latter days, the Holy Spirit clearly says that some will abandon the faith. And it says that in more than one place. I've seen people that were powerfully touched that are no longer even Christians anymore. That's, that's a sad state of affairs, but it is happening. And it's a great falling away. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says that the Antichrist will come to power. But he says before the Antichrist is revealed, there would be a falling away. And that's happening in our day right now. But yet, in this sifting, God has a remnant. People, that it wasn't just an emotional thing. You know, I remember there was a powerful move of God that, that took place not too long ago um, in the Appalachian area. I can't remember specifically where it was. But I remember it was reported on CBN, and I was watching the news report, and I was excited to hear it. And a lot of young people were getting saved. And this one guy was saying in the camera, he was saying, you know, it's like the cool thing right now to get right with God. Okay, here's the thing. When he said that, the first thing that I was thinking was, well, you better make sure that what you get is really deep in you because what happens when it's no longer the cool thing and you start getting persecuted for it, you see? And that's what I think has happened. When, when revival began to wane, people that really weren't changed deep within began to waver and some fell away completely. Probably for me personally, on a personal level, I, I long, deeply long, and I pray just about every day for a harvest of souls and to see powerful Book of Acts Christianity, okay? And we're seeing it here, but right now this isn't the, the norm, but that's going to change in the days to come. You watch. But probably what has really grieved me on a personal level the most is the lack of of hunger and fire that I see right now. 
because I was there when people were just so hungry for God. I saw it with my own eyes many times that there were lines out the church doors for people to get in. Some of them were there for many hours. Didn't matter if it was raining. Didn't matter if it, you know, it was extremely hot in the summer. I saw people coming in and, and the, the praise and worship, people were dancing and singing. There was a freedom. They were just so hungry. They were on the edge of their seat during sermons because they were so hungry for the word. Uh, people, you know, it's time to pray for people. People were rushing down. They were hungry to get prayer. Probably the saddest thing for me on a personal level that has really grieved me is to see people get lukewarm now. That they don't care. They would rather sit at home and live stream or whatever or watch a video than go to church. It's a lack of hunger and passion, a desperate cry for more of God. People have lost that hunger. But I'm going to tell you something. You, you just wait. God is about to move again, and you're going to see a hunger. Rekindle. Some of those that lost the hunger will get it back, but there's going to be a harvest of souls coming in that are going to be hungry and desperate for the Lord. In River of Life, while things were going on over the last 10 to 15 years, revivals began to wane and other fads began to emerge. And one of the things that I had a private time with Steve Hill, we talked about many things. But one of the things we talked about was some of the current fads that were beginning to emerge at that time. And he was telling me it's a joke and he said not to get caught up with it. And that he was the first one really to put this thought in my mind. He was telling me in John chapter 6 when Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part in me. And just about everybody, there was a huge crowd there, huge crowd. Just about everybody left. And Jesus turns to the 12 and says, you know, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, well, where are we going to go? Because, I mean, we left everything to follow you. But Jesus, what Steve was telling me was, he never watered down his message to try to get the crowds. Steve said, you didn't see Jesus go running after him. Wait a second, wait a second, please come back. I'll say something different. <laughs> he was the first one to really put that thought in my mind. He said, don't try to people please, was what he was telling me. But during... As worldly trends begin to come in in a way that I don't think the body of Christ has probably ever seen. Um, there's a worldliness in these latter days that's come in. But we didn't, River of Life, we didn't get caught up with all the social drinking and the foul language and the, the tattoos and piercings and, you know, putting heathen in leadership. You know, there was... There's places, God bless, I'm not saying this out of criticism, but because they want to have this amazing sounding praise and worship, I mean, they're, they're hiring people to come in as, as musicians that they're paying to be there, that some of them are rank heathen, that they don't even claim to be a Christian, but they've been out clubbing and partying and sleeping around, and now they're going to be up here playing the guitar. All because they want to have the best sounding worship in town, you know. We didn't get into all of that. You know, our worship may be okay or whatever, but it's not about a performance anyway. If everybody would just get their eyes off of that and get their eyes on the Lord, you know, 
we didn't get into trying to be a social club. We didn't try to get into entertaining everybody or running church like a business. But what concerns me is there's a mixture that is coming in. I know you guys see it, and um, it's a concern. There's a mixture of worldliness, but there's a mixture creeping in now where uh, there's so many different things. I don't even know where to start, but there's some things that are, that are occultish. There's some things in the way of sexual immorality. There's definitely just a lot of worldliness coming in. But as that comes in, it creates a mixture that doesn't please the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit isn't moving real powerfully. But here's some things during the 90s revivals that were commonly talked about. When people were giving their lives to the Lord, and I would see people literally by the hundreds run down, it was a time of visitation. It was a time of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're about to see another one. And during that season, as the Holy Spirit was being poured out, people were running to the Lord to get saved. They were running to the mercy seat, which was interesting because one of the things that kind of just happened was the song at Brownsville about run to the mercy seat that Charity James sang. And no telling how many tens of thousands of people, and that's not an exaggeration, it's probably hundreds of thousands, that while that song was being sung, ran down to get their life right with God. But here's some things that were talked about. People would come down, but they were told the truth. And the leadership was telling them, get the sin out of your life. Get the articles of affection out. I remember hearing Richard Crisco talk about this. It was the way he said it was great because he worked with young people. And he was saying to all the people there in the church, but he said, listen, when a girl breaks up with a guy, what does she do? She takes the letter jacket, throws it back in his face, you know. She takes off any ring or anything else and throws it back. He said, that's what you got to do with the devil. Anything, any article of affection in your life, you throw it in his face because you're breaking up with the devil's kingdom and you're giving your life to the Lord. And he was saying specifically, dump the alcohol down the drain, flush the drugs down the toilet, you know, destroy and get the pornography out of your life. Anything occult, whatever, get this out of your life. Anything that's going to hold you back or hinder you, get it out. Get out the articles of affection. And this was a great message in the fires of revival was a message of getting the sin out. Another aspect of what was being taught and we need to hear today is the pure word of God. It is the final authority. You know, you can go out of here tonight and you can start asking all kinds of people around here, well, what's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? And opinions, as it's said many times, are like armpits. Everybody has some, some stink. There's all these opinions. But at the end of the day, you have to get back to what does the Bible say? Because that's God's opinion. And if everybody else's opinion is one thing, you better get back to what the Bible said because that's God's opinion and he's right. And we're all going to stand before him on judgment day. So we have to recognize that the Bible is the final authority. I'm drilling that in some of these uh, kids right now that I'm mentoring, if you will. I'm drilling in them. You're going to hear all kinds of opinions, but you better go back to what does the Bible say. And so there wasn't any watering things down in the 90s revivals. They were strong preaching 
of repentance and there was a preaching the whole counsel of God the word of God pure and strong there wasn't going to be anything about people pleasing or any of that it was this is what the Bible says come down and repent and get things right that was the message people were hungry and on fire for God so during that time a lot of teaching on prayer began to emerge people began to have strong personal prayer lives and that was a huge thing in my life God began to draw me to prayer in January of 97 I remember it all of a sudden the Bible says no man can come but the father draw him the father began to draw me by his spirit into prayer and God began to teach me about prayer and at the time certain books God brought into my life one of them was a a book called could you not tarry one hour by Larry Lee powerful book life-changing book teachings by Dr. Cho on prayer one of my favorite teachers on prayer is Dr. Cho and I encourage you to get his books you can watch a lot of stuff of him online on YouTube for free but incredible teacher on prayer and I began to go deep in my personal prayer life and begin to teach others to do that but I'm just going to tell you that I'm going somewhere with this tonight about being deeply consecrated. That where I'm going with this, I'm getting to like the meat of it right now, is that there's going to be a lot of opinions. And there's going to be a lot of people that you thought were so on fire that it may break your heart that you see them go off to the side but I'm going to tell you, those that are listening to me, the only way that you're going to be strong and you not get pulled off to the side is that you stay close to the Lord for yourself. What that means is, is you don't try to ride somebody else's walk with God. You don't try to piggyback their prayer life or just depend on only what the preacher is telling you out of the word. You... For yourself better pray and spend time with the Lord in prayer dive into the Word of God and there's no there is no other way about this I feel a burden about this to tell to warn people Jesus when they asked him about the end times because he was talking about you see all this temple you talking about Herod's temple he's walking there there it is he's pointing at he said there's not gonna be a stone left on another and that actually happened in 70 AD there was a man uh, Vespasian and Titus came in and they they you know ransacked Jerusalem and they had heard that there was gold in between uh, you know those big chunks of uh, rock that made up the temple and they they heard that in the mortar there there was gold in there so they literally took horses and mules and pulled one stone off the other literally there was not one stone left on another and Jesus was predicting this and his disciples were hearing him and they were thinking man this must be like the end of the world you know and they said well when the disciples were asking jesus well tell us about these things tell us about these end time events and and jesus told them the very first thing he said this is important that we really remember this he said watch out that nobody deceive you there's going to be things that are preached by people that you would think that they're telling the truth there's going to be some things that are preached that are just 
wrong. And they're, they're the type of things that lead people astray. And one of the things that has emerged, and this is very concerning for those of us that were through the 90s revivals, there's been messages that are against repentance. Seek, it's like, a, first you start with seeker friendly, so you're too focused on pleasing people. So consequently, now you have to adjust sermons to please people. And now it gets into this hyper grace, which I love grace. Where would I be without the grace of God? Where would you be? It's not like we don't love grace. But there's this message over the top thing that's telling people that you don't have to repent of your sins, basically. And I'm not exaggerating that because they said it's already taken care of. You can go out and sin, it's already taken care of. They're teaching it in a way that people aren't repenting. That type of message, please hear me. The Bible says in the latter days that there would be some that would abandon the faith giving heed to seducing spirits. And that can translate deceiving demons that deceive people and doctrines of demons. If there's something being preached that makes you feel that you can live a life of unrepented sin and still go to heaven when you die, that is a doctrine of demon spirits. Don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. And if you're not careful, they're going to send many to hell. Don't let it be you. So there's going to be these crazy things taught. The only way that we're going to remain strong is that we know the Lord for ourselves. I'm trying to, to really bring this back a lot to people I have influence with. It's not about going to church, even though that's extremely important. It's not about being religious. There has to be a new birth. Yeah, there has to be. The new birth is where the Holy Spirit comes in you, and you're no longer going to be the same. Out of that new birth, there has to come a relationship. The relationship is where you pray, you talk to him, and he talks to you. There's a walking in the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is leading your life. And you're studying the Bible and you're learning and you're growing. And God is purifying your life. And there's this relationship. It's very important that we stay close to the Lord. Uh, the, and I'm talking about these 90 revivals tonight for some reason. But, but the last thing that Steve Hill preached at Brownsville is he left in the year 2000. He preached a message called Cry Wolf. And he was talking about wolves and sheep's clothing that would come. It was a prophetic message. But he was saying this at the end. He said, you know how to keep the wolves away? Is you stay close to the roaring fire. That's what you do. You build that campfire and it keeps things away. He was saying, build the fire and stay close to that roaring fires of revival. If you'll stay in the fires of revival, it'll help keep the wolves away. And so I'm, I'm leading up to the last two things I want to say. And it's this. Relationship versus just being religious. As I meet a lot of religious people, guys, out there, we, we witness all the time, all the time. And the overwhelming majority of people, I know that there's people here that are from up north, 
I have a lot of people actually, there's several that are out tonight, but they're from different states that are not necessarily in the Bible Belt. So you have to understand that we face principalities and powers in the Bible Belt that are very different than what you faced where you came from. Just keep that in mind. It's two different battlegrounds, okay? You're the, some of those northern states, you're dealing with a strong liberal thing. Here, here's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a religious spirit where people will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know who the Lord is, and I go to church and all that. But they, when you start asking them questions and you start talking to them, you realize they do not know the Lord. They are not born of God. And they have not repented of their sin. They're living a life of sin right now. And calling themselves a Christian and going to church. That is being religious, but not really being saved. Okay? That's what we're coming up against. And it's, it's a challenging thing. Because I know when people go to other countries and they, they pioneer work where people have never heard the gospel, that has in itself great challenges but I want to say that dealing with a bunch of religious people also has great challenges. Because it's like you're having to some, you know, the example Jesus said, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. That's religious leaven. Once you get leaven inside bread, how do you get it out? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's like that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people that have kind of been taught wrong and now they're going to have to unlearn things. When you go to foreign lands, they've never heard the gospel. I remember this one guy saying this. He's a missionary and he, he went to a particular area and he said he found that many there had already known the Lord and they were really seeing the power of God it kind of surprised him because they were praying for the sick the sick were being healed it was like everything you would read in the book of acts just normal biblical christianity and you know what he found out he found out that somebody came before him and led them to the lord and told them read this book believe everything in this book and live this book and they just did like children they just believed and that was what there was some people in foreign lands that have have um, sent kind of some angry messages towards some of the religious leaders here saying keep your American Christianity out of our nation we don't want it why because people were going there and messing everything up with their religious traditions of men and anti-holy spirit anti-gift nonsense and they didn't want it and, and why would why in the world would we think that we're fixing something like for example in china understand they've been greatly persecuted and I, and I hate to hear that but it seems like that through our history that when persecution comes the church seems to thrive and china was seeing this major move of god people swept in major healings and miracles people delivered from the demonic the power of god book of you read the bible they were seeing it and then they want to send in people that are going to go mess it all up so first corinthians 12 12 
For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are still one body, so also is Christ. Now listen, this is very important because probably people have read over this and never really thought about this, okay? For by one Spirit, we were all baptized in that one body. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us a birth into Christ. You see that? Whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we are all made. Look, look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Drink of one spirit. And people read over that. And it kind of gloss over it. You need to think about for a moment that Paul said that we were given the Holy Spirit to drink of. And let me tell you, nowadays especially, but it was, it's been this way down through our history as a church. I'm talking about 2,000-year history. There, it's like people are dragging themselves across desert sand spiritually, but we all are given one spirit to drink. And there's a refreshing that comes in the Holy Spirit. And we need it. We're living in a time where we need the uh, fresh anointing. We need the, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit now probably greater than any other time because here we are in what the bible calls the latter days and and paul said in, in saint i believe saying timothy three or so but he said that these would be perilous times and that can translate fierce like a fierce animal fierce times so how do we drink of the holy spirit how how do we stay in a place because i think about how the priest in the Old Testament, that God lit the fire, but the priests were told that they had to, Brianna, can you go deal with it? The priests were told that you have to keep the fire burning. So the fire was initially lit by God. Y'all look this way, listen. The fire was lit by God, but the priest had to every day dump the ashes out and add the wood daily to keep the fire going it's our responsibility that god will initially touch our lives very powerfully but we have to keep the fire burning in our lives that's what i'm trying to get at tonight it's grieved me to see many that have gone to the wayside i mean when god began to move in my life in 96 i was very far from being remotely perfect i mean i had all kinds of struggles with sin i was I was a baby Christian at best. I was, I was not in the best place. But God began to really do a work in my life. That fire of God began to cause things to come up to the surface, to be cleared out. And God systematically and patiently began to deal with things in my life and clean me up, you see. But I had to keep the fire going. I had to drink of the Spirit I had to stay close to the Lord. It's something that if I had not done that, then I would have probably ended up the same as the others I'm talking about that have waned. You know, revival is no longer in their life. So here's, here's a couple things. Number one, make, to make time for the Lord. We all are going to have to carve out time. All of us are busy. 
but we have to carve out time. And it's interesting how we have time for a lot of things, don't we? We have time for a favorite TV show or whatever. We, have, we make time for the things we want to make time. But we're going to have to make time for the Lord daily. And we're going to have to discipline ourselves to be consistent. See, what the devil will do is Satan knows to do things very subtly. If he walked in and people saw him and he, you know, was red and horns and pitchfork and, you know, stinking of sulfur, and people would run for the hills. But he comes in, what, as an angel of light. He comes in very subtle where people think, oh, well, it's no big deal. And I'll tell you, that's, there's many rabbit trails I could go on that I don't need to, but that's why he's presenting witchcraft and the occult, which is extremely dark and extremely evil. And the Bible says that it's an abomination to God that he hates. He hates it, but Satan's trying to feed it to children. So what he does is he packages it in a certain way that looks so innocent. So people will swallow it. But he comes in a subtle way, and here's one of the ways he'll come where we begin god puts a fire in us and we begin to go after and we begin to have a daily prayer life we begin to have some disciplines in our lives we begin to maybe once a week we do some fasting and we begin to really study the word and and we're we're drawing close to the lord and what satan will do is is he'll come in very subtle like a python and begin to kind of coil around and he'll begin to squeeze and what will happen is is that somebody will maybe all of a sudden say well i really don't need to do that today and i i need to not spend as much time here with this and and pretty soon they're less and less time with the lord less and less time in the word things that they were consistent about now they're not and over a period of time, it's a very slow, gradual squeeze. Slow enough that you don't even know what's going on. You look back a year later and you think, my God, I used to really do this, that, and the other, and now I never do it. I used to witness. I used to do this. I used to be more active. Now, I don't ever do it. What happened was Satan came in and slowly and subtly squeezed it out of your life. And he'll squeeze it right out of a church corporately. If a church is a powerful church, specifically a praying church. I'm going to tell you something. I've said this many times, but a praying Christian is a powerful Christian. A threat to the devil. And a praying church is a powerful church and it is a threat to satan so what satan will do is if there's a praying church his target will be to shut down prayer he'll send certain people in to try to do away with it but ultimately same process he'll try to wrap around that church and very subtly where nobody even knows what's going on he'll try to squeeze it down to where less and less time is devoted to prayer down to where eventually the church doesn't even pray anymore over time they'll lose that fresh anointing the powerful altar times will dry up 
less healings, less breakthroughs happening, and pretty soon it will just become a shell of what it should be. It's a dead, dry, religious thing. That is just a social event. It's that slow squeeze. So I want people to really think about that for a moment. And because I believe in these latter days that we're living that we can't afford to let that happen. Because once Satan squeezes things out, then people become spiritually vulnerable to struggles with sin, temptations, wrong people in their life that's going to lead them astray, getting out of church, getting into some deceptions. They're more vulnerable to that because the, the power of them walking close to the Lord is, is dried up, see. Now, I remember this vision one preacher said he had that him and a group of people were walking with the Lord. But every time the Lord would pick up the pace and walk faster, he noticed that some people were trailing behind. And he had to really pick up the pace to keep up with what the Lord was doing. So don't let the busyness of life, the distractions, all the different things, don't let anything get in your way with that relationship with the lord we have to carve out that time and we have to be disciplined about it and also the lord anointing you with fresh oil that's why it's so powerful at church you know i i used to go every chance i could get go to places like brownsville but just trying to get prayer that you know god touching me and filling me and and, and the fresh anointing i needed that i still need that but it's, this is what's grieved me. is not only is the lukewarmness, but it's rare. Uh, my wife was saying, well, can you look into something to take like, the boys to? And I said, man, I, I honestly, I'll have to look into it. I'm sure there's still some places, but it's not like it used to be. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go where there's revival fire, where they're actually going to be praying for people and people getting hit by the power? You see, it's, it's not like it was. But I believe, I'm trying to, keep it positive because I really believe that that's coming again I, I'm not saying that it's behind us I'm saying there is something in front of us but right now you have to go a pretty good distance to find a place where God moves so here's here's the last couple things so learn to let the Lord fill you and soak in that one of the things this is really what i wanted to get to tonight i'm kind of closing out with this but one of the things that god did in my life and i began to learn in the 90s revivals was to receive now remember the bible says that we're all given the holy spirit to drink of all right it says those words now when i was getting prayer at the revivals the holy spirit would fill me and many times you, you collapse under the power of God because you can't stand. And so what God began to teach me was this, and this was being kind of taught from the pulpit to try to help people, was number one, learn how to receive. And number two, don't rush out of it. Soak. So, you know, you have the crusty sponge analogy. It was used many times. The crusty sponge... The water has dried up in Mr. Krusty Sponge. He's, you know, he's cracked and dry. He's not a happy camper. But if you put him in the water and let him soak, don't just 
plunge him and then throw him, you know, let him soak in there, he's going to come out very different. And as people in these revivals, the leadership took note of how many more miracles and things were happening in people's lives that would soak and remain in the presence of God as opposed to people that would get touched and then kind of hop up and take off. But if they would remain in the presence and not rush out, there was an increase of the miracles and lives being changed in many ways. So what I tell people, and you guys need to help me down the road with this as we start getting a lot of new converts and all that happening, okay? But what I tell people is let the Lord fill you just like drinking a glass of water, you know, you can't talk and drink a glass of water at the same time. Quit trying to pray and trying to make something happen. Some of the Pentecostals, I grew up Pentecostal, so I can make these statements. Some of the Pentecostals are the worst. They're all like, you know, praying. It's like, man, you're, you're blocking yourself from receiving right now. Stop praying. Stop trying to make something happen. Relax. It's so easy, you're messing it up. <laughs> you're complicating it, man. Just relax. And if they'll, if they'll just stop and just let the Lord pour into them, if I can get them to, then they, they, they notice it. Like, oh, yeah, I feel that. But just relax and let the Lord fill you. Just like Paul said, we're given one spirit to drink of. So let the Lord pour into you like a fresh drink of the Holy Spirit and you know some many times people collapse maybe they don't but find a place if you collapse or whatever then stay there and soak that's God's operating table where he's doing things that need to be done you know that's where he's gonna do a deep work in your life that can only be done in the presence of God that counseling will never accomplish so if people will remain there on the Lord's operating table and just soak in his presence and let him speak to them and touch them and not rush out of that. And if the Lord doesn't put you down, you can go find a place where you can soak and just lay back. And so God did this in my life really powerfully in the, in the revivals of the 90s. And I still remember it was a, kind of a joke among those that were Brownsville. There's an old man named Elmer that used to come in and flip the lights. It's time to go. And I remember that I would try to stay until old Elmer was flipping the lights, man. I would try to stay there and soak, you know, if I could. But staying in the presence of the Lord, not rushing out, resting in him. All right. And then the last thing I want to say is this, a deep consecration. Just remember next week when we come together, we'll end the 14 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to have a time of deeply consecrating our lives corporately. One of the ways we do that is by taking communion together. And as we do kind of in a special way, we're going to bring our lives under the blood very powerfully. But just remember that some things about the power of the communion table. Remember that the blood applied by faith, hyssop is faith, the blood applied to homes brought protection to everybody under that blood. Amen? There was one lamb per household, so it affected the family. So believe God for your entire family. 
And remember that because salvation, it's a, it's a pattern. You see it through the word of God. When, when Abraham rescued Lot, it wasn't just Lot. Remember that? And when Noah got on the ark, it wasn't just Noah. His family was along for the ride. So God's interested in your family here. He's interested in the whole family coming to know him. And remember um, when Paul was in prison and the jailhouse shook and they were released, so to speak, and the jailer came, thought they all escaped. Remember that? And he was going to kill himself. And Paul said, wait, we're all here. And, he, and it said this. He said that you and your household shall be saved. He said to that guy, you and your household shall be saved. So God's interested in your entire family. Keep that in mind. Also, when Satan appeared to accuse Job, he said to God, have you not put a hedge of protection around him and his family, all that he owns? But the reason for that hedge of protection was because Job periodically would offer an animal sacrifice and he would bring his blood, bring his family under the blood. And that created a hedge of protection around his entire family. So there is like a hedge of protection. David's mighty men ate of the consecrated bread, 1 Samuel 21, 6, and it gave them strength for the battle. And the Bible talks about a table in the presence of our enemies. I believe the communion table, what represents the body and blood of the Lord is going into our body and blood there's something about the two becoming one. There's a union with Christ. There's a deep consecration. Hear what I'm saying because I believe it's very important. There's something about the communion table that is bringing your life under the blood and deeply consecrating you, sealing you off from demonic attack. And it's also, as I open this sermon, we enter the Holy of Holies by the blood. I believe that's one of the reasons why the presence of God has always been so thick in River of Life. I mean, it, it, sometimes the glory comes in, it's just so intense. But it's not because of this church, and it's certainly not because of anybody in this church. It's because the blood of Jesus is reverenced. And we take time at the communion table to make sure we forgive people, repent of any sin, and we reverence the body and blood, and we come under the blood, and God honors the blood. And he brings his presence in because of the blood. We go into the Holy of Holies. And secondly, the power of the anointing with oil. Did you know that Jesus sent them out two by two to go before him? In Mark chapter 6, verse 13, it says that the disciples, some of them took anointing oil with them. And it says that they anointed people and they prayed over them. And many were sick, and many that had demonic spirits, the spirits left them. But it, the power of anointing with oil, that's awesome, isn't it? So we know that the priest in Exodus 29, I believe, were deeply consecrated. The blood was applied, but they also were anointed with oil. It was part of that deep consecration. The oil had to be poured on them. The oil believe it or not was mixed with some of the blood and Moses sprinkled it on their garments so they were anointed with oil so there's a deep priestly cleansing also the anointing though speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit and so there's an empowerment to overcome 
See, there's things in these last days that we're not going to be able to overcome in our own willpower, our own strength. We're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to arise from within us and give us the strength supernaturally to overcome these things, whatever it is. It may be besetting sins. It may be temptation you're around, worldliness, things that are going on. And finally, about the anointing, isn't it interesting that in James chapter 5, the brother of Jesus was saying that if there's any sick among you, let him call upon the elders of the church. And the elders would come, and he said, if you'll anoint them with oil and pray over them, the prayer of faith will bring healing to the sick. And how many people we've seen healed because we anointed them with oil and prayed over them. Many, many healings. I was thinking back the other day, a couple of weeks ago, rather, and I was talking about this with people, and I was going through some of the miracles. Pretty awesome miracles. God healing people because he said he would do it if the elders anoint you with oil. And so usually I try to anoint people with oil as much time as we have and pray over them every service because it's not just for healing, but if you need to be set free from something or if you just need to be consecrated and get a fresh touch from the Lord. All right. And regarding that, I close with this. Zechariah 3. Zechariah saw this vision. He said, uh, God showed him Joshua the high priest. This was in the days of Zerubbabel back in the second temple period. It's not the same guy that was with Moses, okay? This was a different guy. Joshua the high priest who was standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan was at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? In other words, they've been in captivity. Here you are accusing them. How was he going to offer sacrifices and be cleansed from his sin if he's in captivity? Isn't it like the devil to accuse people, right? And he said this, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, standing before the angel. And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have taken away your iniquity from you. And will clothe you with festive robes that has to do with the holy priestly garments. And then he said, or then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put the clean turban on his head and clothed them with garments. While the angel of the Lord was standing by and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua the high priest saying, this is the Lord of hosts. If you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service. Remember the priestly service. People bring their offerings he said, if you'll do this, he said, then you will govern my house and also be in charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here in parentheses into his presence. So there's something here where there was this priestly cleansing where the old pollution was taken away from this guy and he was purified so that he could have free access into the presence you see so there is a deep consecration wow i feel the water is already kind of stirring tonight let's go ahead and shut down recordings and lord i thank you for your word tonight i thank you for the power of the holy spirit lord we thank you for what you're doing we thank you for your faithfulness and lord even tonight as people get prayer lord fill us tonight let there be a fresh anointing and you can play that ipod just whenever lord let there be a fresh anointing tonight let your people be filled 
Lord, let there be a soaking